welcome to the evening of the first day of the week, the 19th of what is known according to Gregorian calendar, July the 19th. God bless you abundantly. And to this, the first day of the week message that I normally give every week. And I pray that God will, through this word, bless you, um, instruct you, the Holy Spirit convict you um, as unto righteousness and um, bring you into a divine place of alignment. Hallelujah. And so last week I, I began to talk about something, um, motivation, what motivates you uh, and so on and so forth. And the reason being that we're in a season where God wants us to get right with him from our hearts, our spirit man must be right with him. We must have the right spirit. Our souls must align, which means God has to deal with all the different gates of our souls. And you know, you have 12 gates of your soul um, and all those have to be rightly aligned with God. Um, and, and then our walk with God, um, our five senses, our sight, uh, what we say, what we hear, what we do, and the direction we move in have to be aligned with God. And why do I say that? Because today we have, um, well, tomorrow, well, begin today, um, but the dawn of uh, uh, to, uh, the dawn of today, um, we will be seeing five planets that are aligning. That is a very rare thing that hasn't happened in so many years. And when all these planets are coming into alignment, then remember that God put them in the heavens uh, to mark off times, to mark off seasons, and to mark off festivals. So if five planets are aligning, then it's very significant. It means that God is saying we need to align with him, with what he's saying, with what he's doing, with how he's moving, and so on and so forth. But that's that's for another time, maybe later on, if uh, the Holy Spirit allows us, we can go into all that. But for now, let's go into our Bibles. And we started in 2 Kings chapter 5. In 2 Kings chapter 5. Um, or rather, let me start with First uh, First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. From the, uh, from the New International Version of the Scriptures. Uh, David uh, <clears throat> is giving Solomon a charge and the charge that David is giving Solomon is, is Solomon is about to take over as his successor and so he's giving a charge to Solomon and then he's about to download by the spirit all that he's about to download by the spirit all the patterns and the plans that God had given David um, into into Solomon and when you read it from the King James Version it says and God gave Solomon by the Spirit all the patterns all the plans the orders and the courses for the building of the temple the the, the courses of, of the priesthood the order of the singers he just downloaded gigabytes of stuff into Solomon so that Solomon could flesh out 
what God had given to David as David's successor. Hallelujah. And so he says, and I start reading from verse 8 from the New International Version of the Scriptures of First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. So now I charge you in the sight of all Israel and of the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. And you, my son, Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Hallelujah. So he says, serve God with wholehearted devotion, number one, with a willing mind, number two, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. Other versions say the motive behind every thought. So the motive behind every thought is what I'm going to be speaking about um, this evening. Now let's move from there and let's go to uh, my secondary scripture, which you'll find in 2 Kings chapter 5. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the scriptures. And we read from verse 20. We take it off from verse 20. Now the background of the story is that... Uh, um, Naaman, uh, a young housemaid that was taken over as a slave, downloads a, a, a revelation and gives it to her boss, Naaman, who is a mighty general of the Syrian army, uh, a valiant man, and a, a man of great esteem and repute, but he has leprosy. And God takes a little young girl who is a slave that was captured from the excursions of the Syrian army and their foragers in other nations and brings her back captive to serve in his household. And she downloads a revelation um, to, for her boss, Naaman, uh, who's a leper, that she should go and meet with Elisha, the servant of God in Israel, and, and the God would use Elisha to heal him. And so Naaman goes reluctantly and reluctantly uh, he, he obeys the, the instructions that Elisha gives him even though uh, uh, he knocks on Elisha's door and Elisha just sends a message to him. You're not coming into my house but just go and do this and you'll be healed. And uh, Naaman is a bit infuriated because he's wondering why should I... I go and dip myself seven times in the River Jordan, which is a little bit, which is murky as compared to the rivers in Samaria or Syria. Uh, so, so he's a bit reluctant and he's trying to reduce the, the, the revelation of God into logic. And that doesn't work because the heavens are higher, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so is uh, God's ways and our ways and his thoughts and not our thoughts. Nevertheless, he does this and he is healed. And he wants to offer 
um, Elisha a whole big uh, reward or a token of appreciation um, to him. That's tantamount in today's currency, millions of dollars. Hallelujah. And, and, and Elisha says no. Um, he doesn't want it. And Naaman is astounded. Um, and for the life of me, like I, I said last week, I mean, these are some of the things that we've been praying for, for for years. God uses you to work a miracle for somebody. And the person is offering you a couple of million dollars. And you say no. I mean, that blew, that blew me away because it forced me um, to go back and to interrogate God uh, many years ago, and also to interrogate and to examine my heart. Is my heart right with God? What would I do if I was in Elisha's shoes? Would I take the money or would I say no? And after all, um, God has used me to deliver this man and to set him up on easy street for the rest of his life. Because as a leper, now his leprosy is cleansed. Um, he has access to relationships. Um, he has, uh, he can ha he has access to close proximity to the relationships he has built. He will not be run away from. He will not be rejected, even though he's a mighty general. One thing messed everything up. Leper, but, but that word, but he was a leper. Hallelujah. And that's what the enemy did to him. Hallelujah. And God uses me to heal him. And he wants to bless me. And he wants to help me. And he wants to just give me a whole load of booty that can make me comfortable for a long time uh, uh, as I would invest the money wisely. It was millions. And he says no. He messed me up completely. I was so messed up that I had to cry to God because I would have taken the money many years ago and I'd be very, very tempted to do that now. I, I, I may. And I'm asking God, my heart, would I say no to that kind of what I would term and that we would term blessing? And for years, God started dealing with me on this scripture and dealing with my heart. And the first thing that the Lord said to me is, is not everything that is a, not everything that you call blessing is a blessing for me. And then number two, you've got to stop seeing blessing in the context of material things. Because number three, there is something higher than what you call blessings. And that's my blessing, which is a, uh, an endowment of power, authority, of grace to enable you as a son of God to fulfill my legacy on earth. It is my inheritance bequeathed to you which is more intangible that will manifest tangibly not necessarily in material things but in a divine ability called grace to fulfill the purpose for which he brought you out of eternity into time
And it's these things that God has been dealing with me over all these years that I share with you in this day and in this season, especially uh, through all the things that the world has been plunged into uh, uh, by virtue of COVID-19 and, and, and the lockdowns and all the things that have transpired where God is, is, has reset and brought us into a new era. And it's about the sardius, the escaping ones, the remnant, and what would it qualify, well, how would you, uh, uh, how must you align yourself to be amongst the remnant and to be part of the membership of the body of Christ that is coming into manifest, open manifestation now in this season. Uh, 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 and let's, so let, let's look at the background. And now uh, Elisha says no. And so Naaman uh, uh, goes back to his nation. And we take it up from where Elisha's servant Gehazi uh, 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 comes in and decides that he's going to go after what his master had so, uh, so wisely rejected. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, thought, Behold, my master has spared this, this Naaman, look at his language, the Aramean, by not receiving from his hands what he had brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw one running after him, he came down from, it, from the chariot to meet him. And he said, is all well? And he said, all is well. My master has sent, my master has sent me. Behold, just now, two young men of the sons of the prophets, two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. And Naaman said, be pleased to take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothes and gave them to two of his servants and they carried them before him. And when he came to the hill, he took them from the hand and deposited them in the house and he sent them away and they departed. When he went in and stood before his master, and Elijah said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? And, and he said, Your servant went nowhere. Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when man turned from his chariot to meet you? Is it a time to receive money and to receive clothes and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and female and servants? Or servants, therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to you and to you and your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence, a leper as white as snow. Hallelujah. And so Gehazi says, What's happening over here? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We just ask that you will empower your word as we give you preeminence, Holy Spirit, even right now, and that your word will have free course and that your word will go forth expressly. 
teach me what to say that uh, help me to speak as your oracles by the grace and by the anointing that Yeshua you have given and uh, bestowed upon my life and by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus but most of all we pray that you will give everyone a uh, uh, understanding hearts and comprehending minds and likewise that you will deal with our hearts let your word go forth as a two-edged sword sword to do open heart surgery in our hearts a new Holy Spirit be the anesthetic so that anything that is not right in our hearts may come forth so that Lord God Almighty our hearts may be right before you our thoughts may be right before you and most importantly the motives behind every thought that we think thank you Heavenly Father we give you all the praise we give you all the glory even right now in Jesus mighty name amen and so so Gehazi says uh, 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 as the, the, the my uh, uh, my master has spared this Naaman L listen to his language by not receiving from his hands what he brought as the Lord lives I'm gonna take a unilateral decision and I'm going after that money and the the stuff that the, the, the Naaman wanted to give to my master it wasn't given to me it was given to my master but then I've been serving my master all these years and if my master doesn't want it, at least my master could have given it to, to me uh, and or shared it amongst him, me, and that is been serving him and probably pouring water on his hands like, like he poured water on Elijah's hands. And then there's a school of the prophets and we're about to read the, 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 in the school of the prophets, number one, uh, 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 the, the place, the, the, the boarding house was too small more they needed to enlarge the place and the money he got from Naaman could have been used to, to do this but rather than uh, uh, doing this uh, uh, he's giving uh, 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 he, he's refused the money and so this is what happens so he, the, the, Naaman goes after him Naaman tells a lie on his boss that his boss sent him that the, the two sons of the prophets have come and they have a need. And the need is they need a change of clothing and a talent of silver. And Naaman gives him double the money he asked for, double for his trouble. My God, he's lying. He's lying on his master. He's lying on the anointing that he serves under. Saying, my master sent me. And in the and with the lies he's telling, he gets double the talents he asks for. Now you ask me a question: Is that God? Because if it is not God, then it's the devil. And if you do say that it's the devil, then we must come to the conclusion that the devil blessed him with two talents of silver. Because I don't see how God. We will tell lies on God's representative, which is telling lies on God, and God will bless us. Because God does not endorse sin. He shows mercy and pardon, but he doesn't endorse it. So then that tells me we must be very careful in this season what we call the blessing, or what we call a blessing. 
And we must be very careful to ascertain where are we being blessed from. And how do we acquire what we get? Because the scriptures tells us in Proverbs that if we acquire wealth wrongfully, then the money will grow wings and fly away. But he who acquires through hard work and righteously, then even his end will be blessed. But he who is in a haste to get rich shall not be innocent. And the money will grow wings and fly away. But he who gathers little by little makes it grow and his end is blessed. Hallelujah. And he gets garments. And the booty is so much that he requires two soldiers to carry the booty together with, with, with Gehazi. And the Bible says in some versions that he stashes this stuff in a stronghold. And he comes back into Elisha's probably living room. And Elisha says, where did you go? And he tells another lie, I went nowhere. And Elisha says, you have my spirit. You've been serving me for an impartation of my spirit. And so because I am covering you and you are my servant, my, my spirit saw you, my heart recognized and was following you wherever you went. And Elisha says, is it time to receive money? So he was using his position as a servant under Elisha for his own gain. He wasn't using it to serve God's purposes. Therefore, we must conclude that he was serving God for what he could get out of God and not what he could do for God. Unlike David who said, what shall I render? How can I be a blessing? But he, his mindset and his motivation was how can God bless me? which may not be far from the common motivation of the average Christian today, because that's what has been taught and propagated by and large in a lot of the churches of today. Is it time to receive clothes? And clothes represent identity. So he was trying to come into a worldly, probably a worldly identity, worldly recognition, worldly status to receive acceptance from the world to in order to change his servant status in an illegitimate way. So he's going to put on a false identity and not his true identity in Christ. So he's going to settle for less in compromise than what God actually wants to give him. Now, in my thinking, if Elijah got the double portion anointing from Elijah, then there was going to be an impartation from Elijah to, 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 to uh, Gehazi. Now, understand that Elijah worked 16 miracles. Elisha worked 32 miracles with the double portion.
So it, uh, because Jesus said, greater works than shall we do than he did, then it stands to reason that Gehazi was in line and he could may have been able to do 64 miracles. Because everything multiplies after its kind. So he would be greater than Elisha. He would do greater things rather than Elisha who functioned under the Elijah anointing and now this servant has the opportunity to come under such a powerful anointing. And because this guy messed up, Elisha could not impart that anointing because the scripture tells us that he died with the anointing because he was not able to pour it out to him, even though he may have poured it out on the rest of the schools or the, the pupils of the schools of the prophet. But a man, when he was buried and a man died and fell on his grave, there was such a residual anointing within the DNA of Elisha that that DNA resurrected that dead soldier. Can I go a little bit deeper? Let's push this thing. Hallelujah. Is it time to receive olive groves? What are olive groves? Olive groves, okay, fruit. And we get the anointing oil from the squeezed olives. So he's going into anointing oil production business, in my estimation. Is it time for vineyards? Ah, in a vineyard, grapes are grown. But grapes are also used to make communion wine. So probably he was going into communion wine production. Is it time for sheep? Maybe he was going into a shish kebab business. Oxen. He was going into becoming opening a butchery. Male and female servants. The money was going to pay for those servants to work the business for him. So his whole motivation was wrong. And God said, and you, my son, David said, and you, my son, Solomon, serve the Lord with wholehearted devotion. So the one thing that God wants from us is that we're serving him with our whole hearts. Not half-half commitment here. Not one foot in and one foot out. Not for what we can get, but for what we can do for him. Serve the Lord with wholehearted devotion. And a willing mind. Are you with me? Willingly. He says. For the Lord searches every heart. So God is not looking at what you're doing. He's looking inside your heart. For the Lord understands every desire that comes from every thought or understands the motives behind every thought. 
So behind everything you think, which triggers your imagination, which triggers your desire, which triggers your motion, there is a motivation behind it. So the motive is whatever motivates you to do what you do. Whatever provides stimulus to you. And God says, I'm looking not at what you do. I'm looking at the motive behind what you do. And so those years, God began to teach me that when you speak to people, you want to find out why they do what they do. What is motivating you? What is motivating you like Gehazi to serve God? What is motivating you pre-COVID-19 to go to church? Were you seeking God to bless your hands? So were you seeking the hand of God or were you seeking the face of God? Were you seeking what God can do for you or was your motivation what you can do for God? Like a president said to his nation, ask not what your nation can do for you, but what you can do for your nation. And God is asking that same question today over and over. Ask not what I can do for you, but what you can do for me. Because when you're doing for him, then your motivation may be right. Because your motivation is to please him because you just love him. And not use him as a jackpot machine to get what you want. Why are you in that choir? Are you singing in that choir? Because you're a single lady and there's societal pressure on you and you're looking, hoping that people will see you and people will give you a chance in life or you, somebody will take, uh, will admire you and be attracted to you and marry you so your status can change. Then the motivation is wrong because you're singing so that you can, you're, you're just, your singing is performance and not ministry. So you're there with the motive. I want to use this as a platform to climb to the top. And that means your heart is not right. Gehazi's heart was not right. Because he was using the anointing to further his own ambition. And ab ambition is man's plan and man's motivation or attempt to ex exalt himself. While vision is God's plan to use man and exalt man. So God has to train us to see, to have a discerning spirit. To see behind the facade that people present. Why are you doing what you do? What are you thinking? And what, uh, 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 what is motivating that thought? What is motivating you, Gehazi? And Gehazi means denier. 
Gehazi means denier. And I shared last week how Elisha sent him to resurrect uh, uh, the, the Shunammite woman's son and gave him his staff. His staff that is the symbol of his office, of his authority, which is the right to use God's power. And Elisha gives him the staff. Take this staff and raise the sun. And Gehazi comes back and says it didn't work. It probably didn't work because his heart was not right. Remember, he was already trying to push the Shunammite woman away when she grabbed the feet of Elisha in her agonizing before him. And we know that when somebody gave a first fruit to Elisha, and Elisha uh, says, share this amongst the sons of the prophets, the school, the students of the school of the prophets. Gehazi says, what is this amongst so many? That should have been the first miracle of the multiplication of fish and bread in the Old Testament. But Gehazi lost it because his heart was not right, even though he was serving the man of God one of the greatest men of God that the Bible talks about. Elijah brought judgment. Elisha brought restoration. Can I begin to teach? Gehazi coveted what his master had so graciously refused. Which tells us that his soul was depraved. Hallelujah. Despite the favorable circumstances that he had been, uh, that had been placed upon him by him being in close proximity with a man of God. He allowed covetousness and the depravity of his heart to motivate him. He enjoys great privilege being close attendance on so great or anointed man of God. But he had, uh, uh, had such a depraved motive while his master had a very pious motive. So this renders his conduct more excuseless, for it was an it was not an ignorant person that was doing this. It was not an ignorant person. This was Elisha. Are you with me? God has to help us. So your motivation is what God always looks at. He contemplated church and he said, this Syrian, he had no pity and no thankfulness to God. He was determined to capitalize on the situation for his own good. There was no fear of God 
Instead, he took the name of God in vain. So, the Bible says when a man sins, it's because he has been enticed by his own lust. So he coveted, he was drawn away by, by his lust. He resorts to falsehood because of wrong motives. He pretends that it was not for himself, but for others. He compromised his master by saying his master sent him. And so you can imagine what Naaman may go away with. Oh, these guys are just interested in money. Naaman would have gone away with the thought that he could buy the salvation of God with money. Naaman would have gone away with the fact that anytime he's in trouble, he can just call him at 1 a.m. in the morning and galvanize him to do something because a gift has made room for the giver. And now the gift has influenced the, give, uh, the, the, the recipient of the gift. Hallelujah. And so what then is motivation? That which makes a person act in a particular way. So we need to be inter interrogate, be interrogative, like God. Why? What is motivation? Your inner impulse. What is motivation? That which causes emotion. That makes you do a thing that you do and act the way you act. That informs your attitude. What is motivation? The source of energy used to produce motion. Here, I give that to you again. The source of energy that is used to produce motion. Or, let me put it another way, inspiration. Or let me put it another way, your intentions. Or let me put it another way, what is stimulating you? What is the stimulus behind you? Gehazi aborted his destiny because of his covetousness for worldly wealth and his ambition, which was his man's ambition, his man's attempt to exalt himself, which is a principle of rebellion, which is a spirit of rebellion, which is the principle of Lucifer. And because of his wrong motivation, he forfeited his destiny. And so the challenge is, if motivation is the source of energy or the source of inspiration, then if it is not the Holy Spirit inspiring you, then I'm sorry to say, then it's the devil, because there are no shades of gray in the kingdom. It's either light or it's other darkness. And darkness can manifest itself as light in you. We know that from Matthew chapter 6, verse 23. So darkness can manifest as light. And you may think that it's God and it's not God. And if it's not God or the Holy Spirit working in you, then it's the devil working through you. And so we need to examine, if God examines the motives of our hearts, then we in this season must have and utilize the gift of discernment by the Holy Ghost to discern what is motivating the people around us. Is it God? Because if it's not God, it's the devil. Why are you serving? Why are you in close proximity? 
Why are you doing the things you're doing? Why do you go to church? Because Paul said, let every man examine himself to see if he is in the faith. Why are you serving? What are you serving for? What is your motive? Are you seeking the face of God or you're seeking the hand of God? So we need to discern because it's a question of motive. And in this season, God is weighing his people on his scales. And he's looking into our hearts. Because we're in a time of separation where he's separating the wheat from the chaff. The, or the chairs from the wheat, the sheep from the goat, the righteous from the unrighteous. He's separating the fish. He's separating light from darkness or light from the light of darkness. And he's weighing us. Who's going to be part of the remnant? Who are those that are going to escape like the, the letter to the church, church of Sardis uh, 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 declares? What is your source? And when we look at motive, there are three things or three factors that may contribute to the differentiation between the demonic and the divine. Because if your motive, your stimulus is not God, then your stimulus is the devil. If your inspiration is not holy, then your inspiration is demonic. And we know that. I can give you a couple of, uh, of, of examples in scripture. Remember in scripture, we have the story of Elimas in Acts chapter 13. From verse 9, and in Acts chapter 13, Paul, the disciples, the apostles, are going to see Sergius Paulus because Sergius Paulus wanted to see them. Sergius Paulus wanted to see them, to hear about Jesus. And Elimas the sorcerer is trying to stop them from getting close to him. Why is he doing that? Because he's afraid that his manipulations over Sergius Paulus would come to an end. And then his favor would come to an end. And what he was deriving from him would come to an end and possibly diverted to the Lord from him. And remember, he's called a sorcerer. And it's not a mistake that his story is in Acts chapter 13, because 13 is a number of apostasy and rebellion. And what does Paul say, Saul say? He says, a, a Saul known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, you are full of deceit and fraud. You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? So when your motive, the motives of your heart are not right, you pervert the ways of the Lord. You pervert righteousness 
and then you enter into a diabolical place. Paul calls this guy a son of the devil. Now behold, the Lord's hand is upon you and you will be blind and you will not see the sun for a period of time. That's the story of Elimas. There's another story in Acts chapter 8. And there's a story of Simon or Simon the sorcerer in verse 18. Simon the sorcerer. Now when Simon saw that the spirit was bestowed through the laying on, on the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And but Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right. Before God. So here is Simon. He wants to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not because he wants the Holy Spirit to indwell him. But because he wants to use that power to advance himself. And many of us, many people have the Holy Spirit or they covet the gifts of the Holy Spirit rather than coveting the Holy Spirit himself. And so they want the gift of the Holy Spirit so they, they can, in quotes, display the glory of God without the one who is the owner of the gifts and the bestower of the gifts. You want his gift, but you don't want the person and the giver of the gift. We want the blessing of God, but we don't want the blesser. We want to use the gift to put ourselves on display, but not have an intimate relationship with the owner of the gift. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us the gift, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So it's first the Holy Spirit before his manifestation. But we turned it the other way around. We want the manifestation without the Holy Spirit. Because we know that to have the Holy Spirit, our hearts got to be right. We've got to have the right heart attitude, the right mindset, the right mentality, the right disposition, the right attitude, the right perception, the right worldview. And so here, is Simon the sorcerer so that he can go around adding the Holy Spirit to his gift of divination and sorcery. And I ask a question, how many people today are trafficking in what is what we in quotes call the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they have been bought from some Sangoma of fetish priest and are parading them as gifts of the Holy Spirit because even Satan transforms himself into an angel of light and are not really the Holy Spirit. And the gifts seem to work 
Because Jesus will save a soul because it's his will that none should perish. So the Lord, remember what Paul said, some preach Jesus out of vanity. Some teach him, preach him out of vain glory. But anyway, Jesus is being preached. So Jesus operates not because of us. Don't fool yourself. He operates in spite of us. We just have to become channels and vessels, pure vessels, so that his water and river can flow through us. It's about him using us and not us using him. For in a great house we have in a great house we have many vessels, vessels of gold, vessels of silver, vessels of clay, vessels of wood, some unto honor and some unto dishonor. They're vessels that are used by God. So Simon is looking for authority. And he wants to buy that authority with money. And that's what we, a lot of us do today. We want to buy offices in church. We want to buy offices, positions in ministry. By our giving. We want to buy a seat. We want to buy a front seat. By our giving. And after our giving, we will make demands. Because a gift always makes room for the giver. And so we do favors to get some kind of position or some kind of authority. And man may give you authority, but if that authority has not been earned through a trust, faithful, committed, loyal relationship with God, then it's illegitimate authority. Because we grow into authority by how we take responsibility for performing God's government governance on earth. Isaiah chapter 9 tells us that. There was another woman that had a spirit of divination. And she's walking around and she's saying, these are holy men of God that are proclaiming the way of salvation. Hear ye them. Hear ye them. Is she saying what is true? Yes. Are they holy men of God? Yes. Are they proclaiming the way of salvation? Yes. Should everybody hear them? Yes. But she was doing it out of a spirit of divination. So, the, so, so, so all the people that have bought the gifts of the Holy Spirit or are trying to traffic the gifts of the Holy Spirit for self-aggrandizement and popularity and fame and so they can earn a space on the billboards around our city may be doing it out of a spirit of divination because their if their motive is not right and their motive is self-exaltation, self-aggrandizement, uh, popularity, then the motive is not right right because a person who has a right motive is not seeking to be popular he's seeking to be humble he's seeking to be hidden he's seeking to be of no reputation like our lord jesus christ compare and contrast the two motives and so we have a lot of people trafficking the gifts the so-called gifts and they may not have been the, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the counterfeit. 
And how do we know that? We know that by their fruit. And if the fruit is self-aggrandizement rather than self-abasement, then there's a problem. Because Jesus emptied himself of all his glory, considered equality with God not a thing to be grasped, became of no reputation. And anytime Jesus worked a miracle, look at his motivation. He would say, tell no one. And he'd walk away. Anytime the Pharisees tried to tempt him into displaying his power, he walked away. If you're the son of God, show us a sign. Jesus said, it is a wicked and perverse generation that seek signs, that are seeking a sign. And I may have been tempted. You want me to, you want to see some power? Boom. To get accreditation. And when you have to use God's power to get accreditation, then you don't know who you are in God. You're hiring. Jesus walked away. Healed a person, walked a miracle. Shh, tell no one. And he walks away. Some of us, next week, whole big billboard. Miracle working night. Come to the miracle worker. And that's what is happening all over our continent, down south, here on the west coast, on the eastern coast, it's happening. And we're all flocking to these people who call themselves prophets and are magnifying their miracles, magnifying their works, boasting about them, publicizing them, advertising them, yet, the Lord whom we represent never advertised his. He did it quietly. He will pull them away to the side, do it, and then walk away. It was the people that were the recipients of the miracles that would go opening their mouths. But he ran away. And he said he exists just to give, to glorify his father. Who are you glorifying, yourself or your father? It's a question of motive. Are you singing because you want everybody to see how good you are? Or are you singing because you want to minister from the Lord to the people so that the people are blessed at the expense of yourself? And then do you retreat back into your cave like Elijah? Or do you publicize yourself? And we call it branding. Not because you want Christ to be glorified, but truly the inner motive is you want to be glorified. It's a question.
motive. God doesn't do. When God wants to, to bless us, he looks at our hearts. That's why David, he says, there's no one like David who has a heart towards me like he does. Did David mess up a couple of times? Yes. Did David have weaknesses and struggles? Yes. But his heart was in the right place. He always wanted to do something for God, if necessary, at the cost of his life, beloved. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Testimony there, Greek word, matos. Or martyr, which comes from the word martyr. Somebody who's ready to die for a cause. Because they love not their lives unto death. So it was never about them. It was about... Dying for a cause. Three factors that may contribute to the differentiation between the demonic and the divine. First factor is intended purpose for the power. What is the intended purpose for the power? Second factor, the motive for the desire of the power. Why do you want his power? Third factor, source of information. What is your source of information? This woman was saying true things. These are holy men of God. They proclaim the way of salvation to you. Hear ye them. And after a couple of days, Paul turns and he casts out the spirit of divination. Not because he wanted to show everybody he had the power, but he had discerned that it was the source of information was of demonic inspiration and not divine. And everybody around her probably thought this woman is using the right spirit. And she was shouting. She was the herald of Paul. And do you know who, who in our humanity, who wouldn't want somebody to herald us like John the Baptist herald Jesus? Hey, this is a mighty anointed man of God. Hallelujah. Hear ye him. Yes, he's a powerful man of God. Hear ye him. Hallelujah. Let's receive the mighty man of God. And your head swells. Could that be a spirit of divination? Because that's exactly what that young girl that the, was possessed with the spirit of Python was doing. Giving un, unnecessary, illegitimate publicity. She was announcing them instead of letting God announce him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye. Him. Examine yourself, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, to see if 
you're in the faith. And the scriptures tell us in Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. So your true motive is anything that you do should be done not out of your own self-ambition or conceit or your selfishness, for your own selfishness or your own gain. So in to walk with God, we need to learn how to put our own desires down for the desires of others. Because selfishness promotes itself, its own interests above others. But love promotes others at expense to self. Or empty conceit, he calls it empty conceit. Canodoxia, which is vain glory. So you're doing it because you want self-esteem. You want opinion, favorable opinion from people. And the Bible calls it empty pride, empty conceit. But with humility, he says, with loneliness of mind, the Greek word is too hard for me to pronounce, it's a tongue twister, hallelujah. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Idolatry is always about self. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Philippians 2 from verse 3. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ. So you should not be self-focusing, but other people focusing. So when we see you self-focusing in vain glory, then could it be the motivation is wrong? And if the motivation is wrong, then the inspiration is wrong. And if the inspiration is not from God, then it can only come from one other source. It's from the devil. In one moment, Judas threw away his destiny because of a wrong motivation. He allowed money or mammon to motivate him. And he betrayed his Lord for 30 pieces of silver. And he forfeited his destiny like Gehazi forfeited his destiny because of a wrong motive. For the Lord searches, I the Lord, he says. For Solomon served the Lord with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. With a willing mind. For I the Lord search the heart and understand 
the motive behind every thought. God help us. Father, we pray. Use the sword of your word or the sword of your spirit to circumcise our hearts. Do open heart surgery upon us and take self, selfish interests out of us that our hearts may be wholesome, that we may serve you with the right motive, with wholehearted devotion. Help us to be motivated righteously and be led of the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, in pace with the Spirit, to be spiritually minded. We mortify the works of our flesh within us. Because having come this far, Lord, we pray. We don't want to be a castaway. We've seen so many people in the scriptures forfeit their destiny. We implore you by the mercies of God, help us by your grace to walk right, to think right, to do right, to have the right attitude to have the right motivation. Heal us from vain glory. Deliver us from vain glory. Deliver us from conceit. Deliver us from the wickedness of our hearts. Because you said in Jeremiah 79, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Cleanse our hearts with your fire. Purify our hearts so that our motives are righteous before you. Lord, even today, five planets come into an alignment that we may not see again for a long time. Help us, Lord, we pray. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, even as all those planets come into divine alignment on this day. Lord God Almighty, we pray according to your word in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, wherein you have said that you have given the sun and the moon that you have given the stars and the heavenly bodies as signs or as banners, as a pledge, as a standard, as witnesses for what you are doing, Lord God, and to mark off seasons, moed, appointed times, appointed feasts, festal assemblies. So we pray 
we bring our hearts into alignment with you. We bring our walk into alignment with your ways. We bring the works of our hands into the alignment with your will and the deeds you have for ordained for us according to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. And we call all things into the earth, into divine alignments even right now. And we proclaim as the seasons of the God's favor, the acceptable year of the Lord, jubilee in the name of the Lord Jesus. We align with your righteousness even right now. And even as all the planets come and are declaring the order of Melchizedek, we pray, Heavenly Father, we take hold and we take up the garments of our priesthood as kingdom, as a kingdom of priests of righteousness unto you. Let the plumb line of righteousness drop over our lives, over the church, over our nations, over our continents. And let the standard of justice be established. Let foundations be shaken as the Lord declares his omnipotence. Let his righteousness fill the earth and let righteousness exalt the earth. But let the lamp of the wicked be put out. Oh God, we pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, as you proclaim a whole new season, and as you are saying, you're activating and releasing grace. Five planets coming into alignment. We take up that grace. May that grace be activated within us for this new season and for the things that you are doing. And Lord God Almighty, we align our hearts with the heart of the Father. We align our minds with the mind of Christ. We align the works of our hands with the deeds of Christ. We align our walk with the ways of the Lord. Even right now, that righteousness may spring forth through us and that we will walk rightly. We will do rightly. We will do things the right way, with the right people at the right time, and that our hearts will uh, are right before you, thinking rightly, Lord, before you, submitted to you. Spirit of the living God, help us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, even as the heavens are declaring a new era, a new season, divine alignments, righteousness coming forth, Libraham, and a kingdom of priests arising that are separated unto you, even as Mercury and Venus and Mars and Jupiter and Saturn come into alignment. Hallelujah. With the moon, the crescent moon, and Lord, use that crescent moon as your bow and arrow to shoot arrows at the wicked and at those who have magnified themselves against you. The, those that are deliberately defying you to bring in orders and patterns that you have not ordained. And by the divine alignments, because you created them and you hold them by the word of your power, Shoot your arrows against them. And by your the word of your power, O oh God, shatter their systems, destroy their patterns. And let them know that there's only one God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord God is one God. 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Elohim. And you are omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. And you are God over man and nation alike. And you rule over the affairs of men. We superimpose your rulership over the earth using our lives and our geographical positionings now as a point of contact for you to come through our regions as we open those gates to you for you to come in and display your awesome power and glory and be glorified that all flesh may know that Jesus is Lord, he's the King of Kings and the Prince of Peace. And there can be no peace outside the Prince of Peace himself, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, even as you, the signs in the sky display your glory, manifest your glory on the earth, we pray you, and we activate your word in Psalm 19. We activate Psalm 29. We activate Psalm 24. We activate Psalm 2. We activate Psalm 148. We activate Psalm 68. We activate Psalm 83. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have a blessed Shabbat or what is left of it, and may you enjoy the rest of God and hope to connect with you on the second day of the week, also known as Monday morning at 5 a.m. as we continue into prayer. I, I was hoping that I would have gained some distance uh, through the message this week, so we'll continue um, where I left off next week. And remember, I introduced a, a, a new concept. There are three factors that contribute to the differentiation between the demonic and the divine. The intended purpose for the power, number one factor. Second factor, the motive for the desire of the power. And the third, the source of information of that power. Hallelujah. And may the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, help us to search our hearts and examine to make sure that we are in the faith and that anything that is not right in our hearts, Lord, we give you permission to take out hearts are sincere so we can serve you with wholehearted devotions and willing minds and lord in with the right motivations because you search the heart and understand the motive behind every thought father we thank you we give you praise may your word not return to you void but may it bear fruit in every life and may you O oh god elohim be glorified with that word and I encourage you and admonish you and ask you to please share the word as far and wide as you can. Hallelujah. God is weighing us. This is the time and he's separating those who are for him from those who are not for him. Those whose hearts are right with him from those whose hearts are not right with him. It's time to get right, your heart right with God because it's a question of motives. Shalom, shalom.